Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a four-time, nearly 22-year survivor of advanced stage breast cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And hi, I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 24-year survivor. I'm a certified life coach, the author of my brand new book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And Becky and I are the co-founders of Breast Friends. So, Becky, I have got to tell you about what I did last week. I I saw the pictures. I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I went on just a few-day Uh, Bahama cruise and it was pretty darn amazing because it was a breast cancer wellness magazine thrivers cruise so there were women from all over the United States who have battled breast cancer anywhere from 37 years ago clear down to just finishing treatment and so It was, again, a wonderful opportunity to connect with women and talk about their journey. And, you know, we all have questions about things, and that's why we do this radio show. Well, you know, Sharon, I have to say, for our audience, Sharon is also an amazing photographer. And when she got back on land from her cruise, I wrote her and said something about enjoy this, the sunshine because it's really, you know, we're snowing here. You're playing in the water know, and dipping your toes in the sand and we're, we're <laughs> living in snow. But you posted some beautiful photos that you took of, I remember the one that you said, well, I'm in my element. She took pictures of photos with butterflies and I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, she's in her element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a real gift at that. So anyway, <laughs> so yeah, it was an exciting week for you, and we were struggling in snow and very cold weather. But yeah, for, I'm sorry, for February, I it. oh yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Before we get on with our show today, um, I wanted to share a quote that I know some of you have probably heard before, but it really sums up a message that Sharon and I really try to share through the work that we do at the prison. And through the work that we do, you know, one-on-one with our patients that we talk to. And that quote is from C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the ending. Well, I like and that. I love that quote so much. When it came across Facebook, you know how these things do. They kind of make, make an appearance. And then before you know it, everybody and their brother sharing it. And I shared it. And a lot of people shared it from my page. But um, I, I love that because it's true. You And there's no surprise there. You can't go back and change the beginning. But from where you are right now, um, the ending hasn't happened yet. So just kind of think that through. And, you know, if there is anything that you still want to do in your life and you haven't done it yet, make a plan. It all comes down to planning, you know. It does. And that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer, was because um, being a, a certified life coach, um, understanding the journey that we all go through and how that survivorship piece of it is probably as difficult as some of the treatment pieces or just hearing that you have cancer. Um, 
that we do have choices. We have choices to be able to really move on beyond our cancer. And again, we might be dealing with side effects and fatigue and all this crazy other stuff that, that cancer's left us with. But the reality is we can move forward and we can still be our best self at the end. And, and and I have to tell you, our guest today is no exception to this. I'm really excited. Our guest today is Tara Dunsmore. And Tara did something pretty special. She changed her ending. And she, we still haven't seen the end. But she changed direction after her cancer diagnosis. And now she, is a, she was an RN. Well, probably still is an RN. But she's also a tattoo artist specializing in 3D nipple and areola tattooing. And it took her own battle with cancer at a pretty young age, really, to move her in this direction. Welcome, Tara. We're so excited to have you on our show today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. And good morning to everyone <laughs> and all the listeners on this Breast, Can- uh, Breast Friends Support Radio. This is a wonderful support system for survivors, and I'm so honored to be joining you today. Well, thank you. So, Tara, why don't you, before we kind of get into... Ha- why you're doing what you're doing. Why don't we kind of build up to that moment? Tell us a little bit about your diagnosis, how old you were, what kind of treatment, all of that kind of stuff that, and and what you were doing before all that happened. Just kind of let us get to know you a little bit. Well, it's a little ironic that we're speaking today because I was actually diagnosed um, February 28, 2012. Literally at 12 noon Eastern time. Yep. Oh, wow. I know. So I just got goosebumps. I, I, me too. So about eight minutes ago, I got that phone call six years ago that told me I had cancer and, uh, you know, changed my life forever. I was 39 years years and eight minutes, six years and eight minutes ago, but who's counting, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Six years and eight minutes ago. Um, and I was 39. Um, I, was ultimately diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma, and I had a lumpectomy followed by a double mastectomy with immediate reconstruction that involved tissue expanders. Um, I had the nipple reconstruction and fat grafting, um, so that took about a year and a half or from beginning to end. And then, can I ask a que- Let me ask a question about that. You had a lumpectomy and then a double mastectomy. Why? Correct. What What happened there? Um, well, against my own feeling, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I had done my research. I worked with breast cancer patients as a nurse. I, I knew what my peace of mind would be and where I would feel comfortable in the quality of life I would have, which was a double mastectomy with or without reconstruction. I just knew that was the best option for me personally. Okay. And my breast surgeon didn't feel so, you know, feel that way. And she was more conservative. And so she actually talked me into a lumpectomy um, and just feeling like I didn't have a voice in my treatment at that time. You know, I followed her advice and I did that. And then it came that my pathology actually came back worse than initial uh, diagnosis. Uh-huh. So that's when I finally just looked at her and said, you know, this is my body and my choice. And if you can't support my decision and what I want to do, then I'm going to have to find another doctor. And, you know, she quickly regrouped and we followed through with a scheduled, a, you know, another surgery for a double mastectomy. So well, now there's a really, there's a good message in that for our listeners too. You know, you are, yeah. it is, it is your choice and it is. we do, we and do I, tend to kind of go, ahead, go along, you know. 
Oh, go ahead. No, and and that's why, you know, it's so important and I advocate now that, you know, if you feel, if it feels wrong or, you know, you're not being heard, get a second opinion, you know, do, of course, educate yourself and do your research, but it's definitely important to follow your gut, you know, when you're not, when it, when they're not listening to you, whatever doctor it may be, you have to feel comfortable with your physicians for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being your own health advocate is huge. Finding your voice and using it. Yeah. I had to change doctors once for the, for similar reason, not, it wasn't that particular issue, but I had to change a doctor for, for the same thing. I wasn't being heard. I felt like I wasn't being listened to. And, and so I changed doctors as well. And I've been with my new doctor, I call him my new doctor since 2004. <laughs> so, yeah. We've been together for a while. He's got me through three more diagnoses, but you know, <laughs> but anyway, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I really just had to kind of clarify that because I, I, I wasn't tracking with you. So no, so, absolutely. And it was important. You know, it's, it's really important that, um, you know, you, you, you have your voice heard and, you know, and every path is different. So every treatment for each and every, um, person diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, we have our own journey and what's right for me may not be right for someone else, but I just knew personally myself, this is where I wanted. And it's unfortunate that I wasn't heard in the beginning and had to have that extra surgery, you know? Yeah. It's it well, a lot of pressure on your family and, and yourself. It's a good, it's a good thing though, because they did find something far more advanced than what you thought. So, so how did you feel at that point, I mean, you're 39 years old. Sharon was 40. I was 43. So we were a little older, but still, you know, we yeah. kind of remember. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're what? I'm how? No, this doesn't happen to people my age. How did you feel about it, and how did you kind of deal with that? Well, just like you said, like most of us, I was in complete shock. I could not believe it. I mean, this was the furthest thing from my mind. I just thought. Um, they, you know, they had the wrong patient. They had the wrong person. I didn't have any family history. I didn't feel sick. I couldn't feel any lumps. So I was pretty scared and just in complete shock. I mean, mine was found by a mammogram. Thank goodness I had one early, you know, before the, you know, national age, um, because I had a really good primary physician. Why did you do that? Why did you, I mean, most people don't get one before 40 unless they have some some kind of history or something. What what led you there? Uh, when I was 30, I actually had my first one. And it's because my um, breasts were dense, but also my mother had had um, non-cancerous but fibristic tumors that were, had been removed, and she had quite a bit. So my primary physician was just like, you know what, let's get a baseline, and we'll just keep keep our eye on everything just to make sure. And I didn't even think twice, and I had it done at 30, she wanted it um, every two years, but I actually waited every three. And so I did it okay. again at 33. At 36, they found a fatty tissue area. It was nothing. I saw a surgeon. We left it alone. Everything was fine. And then they wanted me to come back two years later. I don't know why, but I think just sometimes you're led to do things, I, I, you know, and I just felt like I waited again until I was 39 and something inside said, you know what? Go get your mammogram. You just need to do it. Wow. So I did it. Good instinct. Every good in, good instinct. Wow. Well, good yeah. for you. So, okay. So you had all this done. Now you were a nurse at the time? Yes. You were. Okay. And what kind of medicine were you involved in at that, at that point in your life? 
Well, I've been I've been a nurse for 17 years now, and at that time I was doing rehab nursing, which I love, and it's post acute care, straight out of the hospital, and they're with me for a few weeks and then um, go home. You know, that's the ultimate goal. So I right. worked with a lot of breast cancer uh, patients that you know had their double mastectomy or maybe need a little more rehab or possibly had some complications. So you know, with infection or what have you. And so I've had that experience on the other side in the medical professional world of the breast cancer aspect, not, not so much as the breast cancer patient. So right. that was <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty different uh, shoe to wear, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, different. it does feel now different. I definitely sure. can understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's sad. That's what it takes sometimes, but it's, it's true. And, you know, when we get callers at our office who want to talk to somebody, you know, cause they just got diagnosed. That's one of the first questions they ask is, are you a survivor? And, yeah. you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it would matter that much as long as they're getting the help, but that does seem to be part of the help. Don't you agree, Sharon? Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. When yeah. we when we tell them that we're longtime survivors, they they're like, "Oh my gosh, I want to be you when I grow up." <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> well, and to hear your stories, both of you, it gives me so much inspiration. So I'm like, I, of course, I'm about to celebrate my six years, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, 20, 30. I just love yeah. meeting women, you know, who took this on, battled it, as strong. You're an inspiration to not only me it six years, but women that are being diagnosed today, you know, once they hear that, you know what, this isn't the ending, that you can have a, you know, a, a large life and for many, many years. Yeah. So yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing your stories as well. Oh, oh thank you. What we so do. What were, your, what were your greatest personal challenges when you were going through this? Uh, I actually had a few. And of course, one being a financial struggle, um, we went from two incomes to maybe a half of an income. You know, we struggled paying our bills and making decisions to put food on the table or paying a credit card. And, you know, that just wasn't an option when you have children. Um, yeah. You're going to take care of them. And, of course, my husband was like, I'm not, you're not going to your appointments by yourself. You're not, and I had seven surgeries in a year and a half. So for me to get back to work was, it was just like, it was, I would just couldn't do it. Because every time I would heal, it was like, now I have another surgery. And right, so, right. you know, that, that was really hard. And. At the same time, we, I, we were fighting with the insurance company and, you know, they wanted to do more conservative as well. You know, they didn't at that time think a prophylactic uh, mastectomy was necessary. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, hey, you and this doctor, this is not fair. This is my body. It should be my choice. You know, it's my life, not yours. You can make your own decision. But for me, I shouldn't have to fight to have you know, uh, procedures that I, that I wanted and needed. So, right. you know, certainly yeah. in cha- the challenge with the insurance, financial and my breast surgeon, that was, that was pretty hard. And of course, you know, the struggle trying to stay positive for your children, your husband or your partner and your friends. I mean, that was very difficult and they could see right through me. So it, yeah. I was faking myself, you know, and they... Yeah, don't tell me they, you're fine. I know better. <laughs> exactly. So they, Tara, how you old know, were your children? Like, how old were your children pardon? at the time? How old were your children um, at the time? I had two daughters and a son. And my son was 14 and my daughters were 18 and 20. And they okay. just knew, like, this was, you know, we were really open and close. So they knew every process and every step of the way. But I still... 
you know, my fears of, one, I didn't want to die, and I didn't know what tomorrow was bringing, and all these surgeries, like, I wanted to wake up from the anesthesia, that's a whole nother, you know, fear, and they, and I didn't want it to affect them, you know, my daughters with self-image, or my son being 14, getting ready to, you know, in this puberty, and, you know, starting to white girls or whatever. And (laughs) so I just didn't want to have a negative impact on their, you know, developmental um, aspect in this as well. So I just tried to keep it light, but they saw right through it. And, and they're great. My friends are amazing. And and when they would know I was down, they were there to lift me up. And and I think that's so important to surround yourself with positive people when you're diagnosed with something like this. Hey, hey, Tara, we've got a couple minutes left until break. So I want to kind of switch directions here a little bit and something happened that caused you to change careers. Why don't you talk just briefly about, it has to do with tattooing. So what were you at that point in time, what kind of tattoos were you offered? And when we, when we'll get as far as we can before we have to go to break and then we'll pick it up on the other side and we only actually have about a minute or so, but don't worry about it. We'll pick it up. So, so once you start. So when I was um, got to that point and my plastic surgeon talked to me about areola tattooing, I'd never heard of it. I was just amazed and I wanted to meet this expert. But unfortunately, there really wasn't one. And so I was offered the choice of having the office nurse do it or go to a tattoo shop. And neither one made me excited. And I just couldn't believe that this was my option. Um, I'm not intimidated by tattoos. I have tattoos. But for me, this was just special. And it was the ending to my nightmare. And I just felt like survivors should have had more options. And uh, so I ended up having them done by the office nurse, which was not a great experience. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I know I've heard stories like this. So, you know what, before we get into the details of that, we are going to take a break. We'll pick this up on the other side. And when you, when we come back, maybe you can kind of share how they did it and then what has evolved since then. So stay tuned. We'll be, we'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. Uh, We've been talking to, uh, to our guests Tara Dunsmore and how she's changing careers from an RN to a 3D nipple tattooing artist. So anyway, Tara, let's let's get back to your story. So what made you decide to switch from nursing to becoming a tattoo artist? Well, after my own personal experience with um, areola tattooing, I um, and, and let me tell you, it was extremely painful. It was cold, it didn't feel special, and it was just a nightmare to the nightmare I'd already been going through. And I actually walked out of that procedure room, and I walked through the hallway, and I just felt this, like, calming sensation, and it just felt like something was over me saying, you have to do this, you you are going to do this. So I walked hmm. through, you know, the door to leave, and my plastic surgeon was standing there, and he just asked me, how, you know, how do you feel about that? And I said, that was unacceptable. Like we deserve the best and I'm going to go train with the best in the world because I'm going to come back and offer this to my fellow survivors. And he just said, do it. And I walked out of that office that day on a mission. And, wow. um, and, so and how that's long did it how take I you to ended up changing careers. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> how long did that take you to get trained to do that? Uh, well, you know, and, and it's, and I feel a little cheesy when I say it because I, it honestly feels like my calling and it was so natural and flowing and everything just worked out. Even coming out of this, going back to that financial struggle, like who was I to think I could invest thousands of dollars into a new business and doing something, you know, I'm a nurse. I wasn't an artist before. And, um, I just felt like I was led differently and, yeah. you know, I have a faith and that was challenged, but you know, I, surrendered and came through that I just felt like I was led to do something differently and I found this amazing woman up north and um, we did a one-on-one training and it literally was two days one-on-one 13-hour days but it just was so flowing and I tattooed four women within those two days and it was amazing it was beautiful we were all just in awe that what worked through my hand you know came out as a natural, realistic looking, uh, aerial, a 3d nipple. And, and I'm blessed to be able to do you that. You know, we all, we talk to women quite often about when they have a gift, you know, the, when you have a, a, there's a difference between gift and passion. Gift is something that you can do better than most, easier than most without a lot. I mean, it's a gift, right? Right. Or, and usually mu- it's from God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Musicians, you know, you have some that at four years old can play Mozart, you know, I mean, right. they have a gift for music and I'm, I'm sensing that this is your gift 
And then because you had cancer, you became passionate about it. And it's a great, it's a great fit for you. So how did you end up, now you work out of your, your doctor's office, right? A plastic surgeon's office. I do. How did that, well, that I, happen When for I you? came back and I had started my company, like I already had my name, my logo, I was on a mission and I um, called him and I just said, hey, I have something I'd like to show you. And he was like, can you get in here, you know, today at one? And I said, absolutely. So I came in with my portfolio of my photos that I had already tattooed survivors, bilateral and unilateral. And I said, I founded this company, Pink Ink Tattoo. And, and he looked at him and he was blown away. He just could not believe how real and natural they appeared. And he just looked at me and said, Tara, you have to get in here and help women. This is my office. Get in here and help women. And so that was four, almost four years ago now. And I'm still at his office and I see not only his patients, but women from all over the country. That's, oh, that's wonderful. Amazing. That yeah. is so great. So can you talk about nipple sparing surgery versus nipple reconstruction? And then of course the tattooing that goes along with that. Sure. And first I'm not a doctor, but my own medical knowledge about this and experience, the difference between nipple sparing and nipple reconstruction, uh, the surgeon has the ability to save the natural nipple and nipple sparing. And then they can reattach that after the mastectomy and healing where nipple reconstruction is once we've had a mastectomy and like myself, your nipple and the areola, everything is removed. And so what a plastic surgeon can go in and do is recreate that um, nipple. And so with nipple sparing and when it's appropriate for that is, you know, of course, after you and your doctor and the surgeon and the, plastic surgeon and oncologist, once they make that decision that that's something appropriate for you, then in an option, then, you know, there's other factors that determine it, like where was the cancer located, what type of cancer you had, um, where for me, mine was in my duct and it was pretty close to the nipple. So that just wasn't an option. And, you know, that's why when I did the double, I just decided on the other breast that didn't have cancer, I wanted it gone as well. So. Yeah, yeah. You just want to you just want to reduce your your risk as much as possible. I'm sure. Absolutely. And I just want to yeah. clarify something real quick. I went to a conference one time, and one of the uh, sessions was on nipple sparing surgery versus reconstruction. And you know, I think one of the common questions that women have is if they have nipple sparing surgery, that their nipples will still function as they did before. And what the physician said there is that they actually don't. All they're really saving no. is the color and the image because they... But that's not take, true. Well, Chelsea, I, I've, not, I've heard one had, example well, where it's I not know, true. I know, <laughs> but, but that's why I say Chelsea generally. Just had her, my daughter just had hers Go done, ahead. and I was shocked because I was under the impression they wouldn't either. So it depends, I guess, on the circumstances and the doctor and, you know, whatever. But I was shocked because within two weeks, she actually, if they were... They were Getting cold, <laughs> you know. They were wow, that is reaction. that is the first time I've ever heard this as well. So yeah. I'm glad that you're sharing that. I have yeah. not met one woman was, where they actually could retract, retract due to coldness or any type of stimulation. So that's amazing yeah. to hear that. I was shocked. Yeah, so you know that would be a really <laughs> yeah, and it would be a great show. I think if we can get somebody on that that has been doing that and has had that same success, that would be a great topic for our show. Right. Yeah, and, we were, uh, I do yeah. know. For me, in the tattoo aspect of it, when they've had nipple sparing, uh, many times the pigment actually fades naturally 
you know, I don't know if it's the blood factor or being removed and connected, mm-hmm. you know, in the circulation, but it, I've seen often too many times or more than not, um, I've had to go back and reapply them or apply pigment for the natural areolas because they, you know, are basically the same color as the breast mound. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep, that makes sense. So, so, so your specialty, if I understand correctly, is when you've had your nipple removed and you create the, the illusion that they still have a, a, a nipple there. Correct. It, it gives that illusion of protrusion without actually right. sticking out. I mean, exactly. personally, I, myself, I did have the nipple reconstruction and they flattened a little bit, but if women have, you know, with or without nipple reconstruction, that's what I can give them. I can either enhance if they've had a nipple reconstruction or if they haven't, just give it that illusion that there is something there. So even looking sideways and you catch, you know, that in the mirror with your eye, it gives it almost a, what? It fakes you out, you know, which is what yeah. it's supposed to do. And that's pretty amazing. Well, you well, know what's really nice about having, even if they're fake and they're not functioning properly, it takes the eye away from all the surrounding scars. You know, when, when I had mine, they made the cut right straight across my breast and took everything out. And so that visual of having that scar right there, I mean, that's that's not going to change. But when you are able to add the appearance of a nipple, it's like putting headlights on a car. You know, you focus on the headlights when they're turned on. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and, you know. I know um, it's a true, and that's exactly what we talk about when, we're doing a consultation or after and they're looking in the mirror, it's like, you know, when they come to me, they're concerned about their mastectomy scars and no nipples. But then when they look in the mirror, their eyes go straight to that and it's everything else fades away, which is beautiful. It is beautiful. So speaking of other scars, I was curious, how, how is tattooing over scars? How does that work? I, you know, I've heard that some people don't like to do that. They refuse to do areolas if you've had your mastectomy across the breast mound. And for me, I'm like, no, I use it because I just enhance that, add that scar tissue, making it look like a textured in the areola. So it gives it that natural appearance. Just like we had, nobody had flat areolas. I mean, we all had, no. they were textured even when they retracted or not, you know, and we had Montgomery glands, which are the little bumps. And, you know, so for me, I just use that scarring and add it as a, you know, more natural appearance. I love that. I love that. Now, do you do other tattoos? Like if somebody wants vines or flowers or butterflies or something like that too? No. No. Okay. So you you are. I only specialize in areola, 3D nipple and scar camouflage. And the scar camouflage is more skin tone. Well, it's literally skin tone. So women, you know, who have red or purple mastectomy scars and that go, you know, or just a tiny one and they want to cover it. That's what we can do. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I had I that, that. I had that done here in Portland and it was really helpful because I had so many scars from all the tube, the drain tubes and all this stuff. Yeah. And she went in and just kind of recolored them so that they look more skin tone. Yeah. And that was, was really helpful to have that. So, so some people choose not to have, you know, nipples, um, either tattooed or reconstruction or whatever, what, what advice do you have for them? What, what would you say to them? Well, for me, it's, you know, and I feel strongly about this. It is a personal decision and one that should be made by that survivor. You know, I celebrate their decision because it's their body and it should be their choice. Personally, I 
think that it, um, it is beneficial physically and psychologically. You know, I've heard from so many women that um, waited for years, but then had it done and how it changed their life so positively, so dramatically, you know, and if I can, I just want to share a quick story. Um, I had a survivor come in and she was diagnosed at 32, but she had waited 10 years for her tattooing. You know, she went through a divorce. She just was single. She just didn't feel like that was something she wanted to do. And she definitely didn't want to date again. Um, she's a good friend now and I love her. And after we did the tattooing, she literally looked at me and said, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years and I'm ready to date. Like I did not oh, know the sweet. impact. Oh, sweet. I Yeah. I mean, yeah. of course it made me cry, you know. Of course. For me, course. it's just like, and, and I get to live vicariously through everyone that sits in my chair because I had such a horrible experience that I just vowed, I swore that everyone that comes to me from the music, to the color and size and everything, that's going to be their decision. And this is going to be a celebration, you know? Right, so right. when I hear stories like that, it's, it's amazing. I so love that. I, I love that. And, and so, but unfortunately not everybody's going to be able to come to you. Where are you located by the way? I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, I travel okay. around the country, but I am. Yes. Yeah. So, so if someone was looking for, uh, 3D nipple tattooing, um, can you describe what they should be looking for, like uh, for uh, a tattoo artist maybe in their, in their area? Absolutely. Well, I always say talk to your plastic surgeon first. Um, do your research and educate yourself. Talk with other survivors and, um, you know, just really do the homework on finding someone in your area that or, you know, close by that can and does perform this, you know, and you want to look at many factors as well, as far as like where they are performing this, you know, is it a medical facility? And if it's not, is it the cleanliness of the, you know, shop and will the insurance cover this location? And are you going to be comfortable there? Because that's right. the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause probably, you know, some of the women that you tattoo don't haven't ever been into a tattoo parlor or whatever you call them these oh, yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is uh, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, walking into just the the studio, you know, down the street may be very uncomfortable for that person. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah and I think the idea of getting a referral from the physician, the, the gal that I use, she's a local here in Portland, and she does a lot of these, and she's quite, quite good. Her name's Mary Jane Hakey, giving her a selfless plug here. Uh, <laughs> but she's done a great job. And she does, she is referred by by the plastic surgeon. Um, she does it in her own shop. She doesn't do it out of a clinic. But, but getting the referral from him gave me that confidence that I needed. And then meeting her and seeing her work in her portfolio and just what she's capable of. I think that's great too, is to look at the pictures and the images of what Absolutely. this person has done. Don't just take their word for it. Look at the images. And like your doctor was so impressed with your portfolio, he gave you space in his clinic. That's pretty, pretty amazing. That's, right? that's amazing. Yeah. So now I, I've heard of some people actually taking photos of their nipples. And then could you take a photo of, I mean, a, 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 an image like that and kind of try to recreate what she had before? Absolutely. And, you know, and that's important because some women don't um, really know where to even start when it comes to that. 
areola or color or size. And so for, for me, I always just say, you, you know, I'm here to help guide you, but ultimately it's your decision. You know, if you have a photo or you print off a photo or you find one on the Internet, that definitely is going to help with color and size and the look, you know, appearance of it. Um, I also kind of give a little guide with some women. I'm like, you know, you can look at a freckle. Some women tend to go with that brown tan color or the inside of your lip, which is more of a pink, uh, burgundy, maroon, or a combination of both. Those are little tricks that I just say, you know. And then with size, we just start with the four centimeter and... um, which is an average areola size. And then we just go smaller or larger. And of course I don't do any yeah. tattooing until, you know, that person looks in the mirror and says this, oh my gosh, this, this is, is the size yeah. and color. And then, yeah, yeah you know, my, my doctor did my, um, my nipple reconstruction first. He did this little thing that kind of like origami, you know, <laughs> <Just> right. <laughs> but, but before he did it, he gave me these stickers that looked very real. They were actually 3d stickers and he yeah. asked me to wear them and kind of adjust them and put them where I wanted them. And then when I, when I figured it out exactly, draw a circle around it. And he told me to live with those for a few oh, days. that's a great and, idea, And too. make sure that, because he can, he can guess where he thought they should go. But if I'm not used to seeing them that close together or that far apart, it would bother me. So he had me wear those. And then he, then he did the surgery. And mm-hmm. then my, my tattoo artist went over that after they healed. So, yeah. You know, that was kind of an interesting approach, too. I hadn't thought that that would happen, but it was a a good thing. So So before we go out on break, I have to know. So you explained that it hurt when you had yours done. Do you do it differently so it doesn't hurt or? Oh, absolutely. If you're coming to me, you are never going to have pain. Uh, And I don't know if that's rehab nurse, just me as a human being, but it was an awful experience for me. And. Uh, you know, I just said absolutely no one will ever feel pain. You shouldn't have to. It's 2018. You should, you're, this is like the last step. It's supposed to be a celebration, like I said. And, you know, I've heard that other tattoo artists don't use any type of numbing agent. And they won't even tattoo if they've heard that you put it on. Where I'm like, oh, heck no. You know, we're going to put it on. If you have any type of sensation, you're uncomfortable then we're going to numb that area, you know, topically. And then um, afterwards, you shouldn't have any pain at all. So that's extremely important to me. Good, oh, good, that's, good. that's excellent. Well, we are going to go out to break. We will pick up this conversation on the other side. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card. 
that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about 3D nipple tattooing with our guest, Tara Dunsmore. So before we um, get to the all-important question about insurance companies and how they deal with all this, let's talk about when you're actually picking a, a, a tattoo artist, um, what are some of the other questions you need to ask them to make sure that they are the right person for you? Well, I definitely encourage... Um, survivors to make sure, you know, ask, are they a medical professional or can they recognize signs and symptoms of infection? Have they ever worked with compromised skin due to like radiation? And what is their aftercare protocol? What do they use? Do they have a touch up policy? Is it free or is, it, is that another expense that they might have to do, you know, down the road? Um, okay. You know, and those are important factors that you should look for as well. Absolutely. Wow. So what are some of these signs of infection? I mean, you, let's say everything was going fine. You get the tattoos done. And then what are the biggest risk factors that a patient might face? And how can she know if there might be some problems developing? Well, for me, I use my aftercare. I use an antibiotic ointment and um, a non-adhesive bandage. And then they switch to a different ointment and then uh, one after that. So it's kind of a long, you know, a one week with what I give them and supply them. But I also, with, of course, a detailed um, aftercare form, but I let them know if they see a redness or any, you know, extra oozing or anything that just that seems off, or, of course, if they're running a low-grade temperature, to immediately call the artist, myself, or whomever, and their, and their physician, you know, because it may be something that needs to be addressed. Something could have been brewing in there from the last surgery, and having this done could have irritated it and brought it to surface. Um, oh, okay. Especially like okay. that makes if sense. they wear bras or tank tops, you know, I always let everybody know when your bandages come off after day three, make sure you wear a clean undergarment every day because there could be bacteria sitting in there that if you wear it mm-hmm. over and over could cause an irritation or, or yeah. an infection makes as well. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah ab- that does. Absolutely. So you could actually have an, uh, an effect of something that isn't even really the cause of the tattoo. It's just there, Correct. but the tattoo just kind of brought it out. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's good to know and certainly worth talking about. So let's ask about insurance, the uh, elephant in the room question. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, when I first consult, I just made sure everybody aware that in 1998, there was a Women's Health Act law 
that was passed that covers breast reconstruction as well as nipple reconstruction and tattooing, everything that was caused by cancer and had us, you know, we had to make that decision to save our life and have our breasts removed. So that Women's Act Health Act law was um, created and passed so that we can get back to as close to normal if that's the decision that we choose and we're, you know, a good candidate for that. So I absolutely say, you know, research that, print that off, call your insurance provider, let them know, you know, this is something that you want to do, the areola tattooing. And, you know, I know for me, being a medical professional and having it, doing the procedure in a licensed, you know, medical facility, adding their insurance uh, medical and diagnostic codes to their receipt, along with, you know, my information, which I do have an insurance number, it's called an MPI, but I don't file insurance, but it just seems to help push it through. And it should. And even if you choose an artist that doesn't have this, then, you know, just make sure that you are aware of the law and that you can fight for your right to be reimbursed because you should be. Yeah, you know, I have, makes to, sense. I have to mm-hmm. say something just real quickly here. That law was spearheaded by a woman named Dr. Christine Horner, and we've had right. her on our show twice um, recently, including last week. She, was, she did a, a talk on belly fat and the impact of belly fat on cancer and other illness and fascinating, but she was the one who spearheaded that. So I um, wanted to give her a little shout out <laughs> for, for that. Yeah, you and for, I want to give her a shout out. Names. Thank you so much for spearheading that. Yeah, you know, it, no it makes kidding. a huge difference, especially in fighting for something that we deserve. Um, right. Exactly. I also just want to shout out real quick that I work with two nonprofits that are national and they actually help um, to receive areola tattooing you know, for women that are underinsured or under underinsured, uninsured. And I did find that Medicaid does not cover areola tattooing, which is, okay. uh, it just boils my blood because I don't think there should be any type of financial limit with any insurance company that can say, hey, you don't deserve to fill whole again. So that makes, yeah. me, right. that makes me really they, upset. They, and they also uh-huh. don't, they don't, um, if, if the doctor says you just need a lumpectomy, they won't cover a mastectomy either. So that's a bummer. Correct. It's, yeah. it's sad, you know, that our voices can't be heard more, um, you know. And, and you can look for other, you know, a lot of artists or um, foundations host events like myself. I do a Day of Hope every year and I'm bringing awareness about breast cancer, but I'm also... Um, I give free areola tattooing for survivors that have no insurance or underinsured. So that's oh, always that's something to look for as well. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. That's great. Well, before we run out of time, because we're coming to the end of our program, we have a few more minutes. But Sharon, I think you had some questions for Tara about some of the stuff she's that she does sort of well, extra. Exactly. So it sounds like you've been quoted on O Magazine and others. So how did all that come about? Oh, gosh, that was such an honor. And, you know, I think just through a lot of the national TV news and magazine coverages, um, Oprah Magazine found me and they reached out and they were so excited to share my information to help other breast cancer survivors. So that was really exciting. And I'm really honored. Yeah, I guess. You should be. I I went to your website. Yeah, I went to your website and I looked on the button for all of the um, the blogs and media coverage and stuff. And you've kind of been all over the place. So you, know, you must you know, be quite recognized as the expert. Tattoo, that was not my mission at all. You know, my mission was to go out and let women know you have an option. I'm here. You know, I'm here if you need me. 
and it had nothing to do. I'm not a public speaker or, you know, get on the TV. You know, I struggled with that because I talk real fast because I get so passionate about what I do and, and, you know, my face would turn red and I start crying (laughs) because I put myself right back in that moment and I know how they feel. And so I've just learned, you know, calm down, you know, because it is an important message. Like we need to know that there's options. Okay, yes. so you you get you're telling me you get nervous in front of people. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? <laughs> I get nervous on stage or, you know, in a live setting where the focus is on me. That because okay. I'm not I don't want to be the center of the focus. I just want, I get you that. know. Mm-hmm. So and, what's and this what live stage show? Doing. Tell us about this. What is this live stage show that has aired in 142 countries? <laughs> and, and talk about I, I being on to... stage in the center of attention. We actually yeah. filled out. I, I produced a live stage show that featured 10 cancer women survivors. And that was in August of 2016. Um, we filled, we packed the whole A.J. Fletcher Opera Theater in downtown Raleigh, which is huge. And it just had women sharing their cancer journeys and how they took this negative disease and now changed it positively where it's helping other women that are either newly diagnosed or struggling through life, you know, whether it be cancer or something, you know, that's hard on them. And it just shows the empowerment of, you know, sticking together, letting each other know that we're not alone in this and that, um, you know, you can make a difference out of something horrible. It might not feel like it in the beginning, but... You know, there is a bright light at the end of it. Is that my second act? Is that what you're it referring actually, to? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I went to the Nashville Women's Conference, uh, Survivorville, and they had they had a my second act presentation there the year that I went. And it's pretty amazing. These ladies get up there and they share their story. And my second act is such a great name for it, too. So, well, good. And so that's actually aired in 142 countries. That's yeah, that's phenomenal. That's great. And talk about Broad Day. I don't know what that so Broad is. Broad Day is, um, it stands for Breast Reconstruction Awareness. And I've done a yearly event with plastic surgeons offices to help bring awareness about reconstruction after mastectomy. Um, it just brings awareness to breast health and, um, you know, that there is life after your breasts are removed. And I love this organization. I love bringing awareness to it and connecting with other innovating companies that bring breast health awareness. Um, I work, I love this company, Booby Butter, and it's got a cute name, but they actually founded on breast health and early detection. And they're founded by young college women who just saw a need in bringing awareness to your breast health. So I include them in my um, events like Broad A because it's vital to know our breast health even after having a double mastectomy, you still have to be aware of your body. You know, we still are at risk for reoccurrence. And so women that haven't had cancer or or had cancer, had one boob, no boob, two boobs, you know, it's still, we have to be proactive in our health. And that's a company that I just love. And, you know, so when Brave comes along, I just shout them out. I'm like, you know, we, you have to be aware of your body. So did you, did you say booby butter? It is. It's booby butter, and it's <laughs> and they're amazing. I, I so thought I heard you say that. I thought, okay, so what is that exactly? I mean, is well, there a thing? Well, they formulated this um, oil, and gosh, they just have so much now. Um, stickers and mirrors that you can put on your wall to remind yourself, hey, it's the first of the month, or you know, um, do your um, 
self-exams. And what I love about them, because this is also my passion as well, it's like doing your self-exams, sometimes it's not you that finds it. So you can, you know, introduce this with your partner because sometimes the partner's the one that finds your lump or notices yeah. a change in your breast. And mm-hmm. so when you're active and you use a company like Booby Butter, which has these amazing ointments and, you know, and it, everything is organic and I, that's, I love. And then, you know, it makes it a fun and not more of like, I'm reminded I had cancer. I'm reminded it's more of, hey, you know, let's, I'm going to do my self-exam. And you can kind yeah. of bring your fake boobs, you know, our, our reconstructed breast now into your relationship again and just kind of make it more intimate. So I, I love wonderful. that. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, listen, we're going to be out of time here in a minute. So I wanted to ask you if people, is there a book in your future? I, I didn't you know see what? anything on your site about honestly, a book. Honestly, yes. I would hope so. Because <laughs> yep. you've got quite a story to tell. And um, oh, Sharon just released her book. I've got a book. Uh, there's just, I think a lot of people have a book in them. You've got a great one in you. And thank I really you. hope that you'll do that. So how can people learn more about you? Uh, how can they reach you? If they want to learn more about 3D tattooing, where, where can they go? Okay, give you if you 30, have any questions or you want to contact me, um, my website is pinkinktattoo.com, and I'm on all social media. My number is 919-592-5580. And everything, all my contact information is, again, at my website, www.pinkinktattoo.com. Wonderful. Well, you've been a wonderful guest today. We really appreciate it. Sharon, did you have any last minute thoughts before no, we No, I'm just thrilled that we were able to chat with you and learn a little bit more about this. And again, just remind our, our viewers or listeners to, uh, to make sure that they are their own advocate when, yeah. when it comes to their health. Yeah, because you can absolutely. change your ending, right? <laughs> so, you absolutely yes, you really, can. And thank you really so much important. for having me. I'm truly honored. Well, we're we're delighted that you joined us. So um, just before we, we go out, let me just tell you real quickly, if you or anyone in our audience needs any of our support services, you can go to breastfriends.org. Um, we've got a whole list of things on ideas and tips and whatnot on there. You can also call our office and all the contact information is there as well. And you can also go to our, download our new app through the App Store or through Google Play. It's called the Breast Friends app. And it, there's, it has it kind of directs you to our website, but it pulls a lot of great information. There's also a community on there where you can ask and answer questions, um, but you do have to register if you're going to participate in that. It is a brand new app, so we're really hoping to get some good usage on that. Um, and we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.